Hi, Mike. Hey. <laughs> I always think it's weird to introduce yourself on a podcast in that it's not a radio show in that somebody could have stumbled upon this. <laughs> they know, right? I mean, they should know who it is. I think I just stumbled upon this phone call. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea who I'm talking to. Mike Levin of LibertyBallers.com. I am Spike Eskin of several different entities, all owned by CBS um, and myself. Um, and we hope to do this podcast. We we hope to do this every week, right? Wednesdays, we decided is a good time. Wednesday at the ass crack of dawn for me. Yeah, of this. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Well, I feel like um, I feel like you're going to generally try to garner some sort of um, sympathy because you do this early in the morning. But that's I'm up. Plan. That, is, that is my plan. <laughs> That seems like it seems like the the first goal is we'll we'll every make time. it we'll make sure that everybody knows this gets recorded at six o'clock Los Angeles time. So I want as many apologies as possible. Yeah. Now the before before we get into it, um, we don't have a name for this particular um, podcast. So you know, I we should accept them. Any suggestions? Do you think is that okay, or do you do not want to open that up for suggestions? Well, I didn't. I didn't mind your suggestion of Magna Carta Holy Grail. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mind it uh, just as much as I didn't mind Spike and Mike in the mid morning. I think uh, Golick and Greenberg don't own proprietor aren't proprietors of the name Mike or the rhyming of Mike, so we can uh, take that also. But you know, other other better options come along. We'll take them as they come. Yeah, Magna Carta Holy Grail, I feel like, is a... See, you know, when I was naming Times Yours, which is what um, the podcast feed is, I, I asked, you know, I asked on Twitter, I was like, is this a good name? And there were some people that were like, well, in a year, or when Andy Reid leaves, nobody's going to understand that joke. And I was like, well, you know, but that's fine. Even if they don't, then it... So Magna Carta Holy Grail, I thought would be funny because it would get us Google search... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> results at least for the next few days where the Jay-Z album comes out and then in two years um, people can say wait a minute why is it called Magna Carta Holy Grail and then at it least sounds, it still sounds pretty cool yeah yeah it does have um, it does ha- it does sound big I guess calling it Magna Carta Holy Grail um, too big for us yeah maybe <laughs> maybe maybe you should be someone of Jay-Z's sort of stature to call something to call a week a weekly card oh, and I don't even know if you could have a weekly Magna Carta Holy Grail. It feels like having fifty two Holy Grails per year is probably overdoing it. Um, so before we get into obviously uh, this week, you know, lots of um, lots of NBA free agency stuff and something that happened overnight. It was funny while I was sleeping, Andrea Godala um, was offered a ton of money by the Kings and then it was taken away. And surely we'll talk about that. Um, I want, and I don't want to spend very much time on talking about sort of um, uh, Twitter do's and don'ts. But something I, I had a question. I, I'm curious to see. I don't know how you feel about this, but as I've as I've gone on, it sort of bothered me, and I wish people would do it less. And I don't know that they know that they shouldn't do it. But when I'm talking about an NBA player, by and large, I do. If that NBA player is on Twitter, I don't use their handle. Like if I'm going to say something negative or positive, I, I don't need I'm not I'm not trying to hide from that person, but I'm also not looking for confrontation. And I don't feel like they need to see every time I say something negative or positive about them. Like those guys, I know a lot of them ignore their replies, but a lot of them look, you know, and if I think the guy sucks, I don't feel like 
you know, I'm allowed to say that he sucks, but I don't feel like he needs to um that he needs to look at that. You know, I don't I don't need to be harassing him. <clears throat> and yeah, a, I, I, a lot of times when people ask me questions about players, positive or negative, they'll include mm-hmm. that that player's at and I, I feel uncomfortable responding. Yeah, and I, I I'll delete it. I I almost I almost never do it. I, I did it with uh Arslan Kazemi because I wanted him to see this nice post I wrote about him. Yeah. Because it was all so so flowery, and he already had favored one of my other tweets. So I was like, maybe we can be like Twitter buddies, and he can just keep liking all the things I do. That's that was my hope. That was my uh, selfish goal. But for the most part, somebody asked me about Spencer Hawes and getting fined, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, and he included Spencer Hawes zero zero as Twitter handle, and I didn't. I removed it because, I mean. Come on, you don't—he's—he's—he's he's he's got fined fifteen thousand dollars, and now we're going to make fun of him for it. Like, come on, that's—it just—it seems unnecessary. It seems like overkill, and it seems like asking for trouble. Yeah, and it to me, it's like because uh, you know when I've I've talked bad about a player, somebody will will include that thing in the reply. I think to get them to see, like, I'm not hiding from anyone. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm putting it on Twitter. Like, if anyone has has if this player has any interest in what I have to say, and I would imagine the number of those players is very small that has any interest in what I have to say about them. But if they do, they know where to find it. And it, it's it's almost like sports talk radio. If these players want to avoid sports talk radio, just don't listen to it. And, it, you know, and everything's fine. And if they do want to hear it, they can. It's out there. And I feel like putting it out there is enough of putting it out there. Um, and I do think that somebody... Um, that I'm a that we can be a bit spo- spoiled in that um, you know uh, it's really neat for somebody um, a, a regular person to have a player respond um, even if it's in a negative way it's neat to have them respond so I feel like sometimes they just think it would be neat to get that person to respond um, not really thinking about that that person is a, a person and may not want to deal with it in the first place and I think that's why Twitter is occasionally the worst thing in the world yeah yeah it, it can it can much like anything that that of any potential benefit it has its negatives and that yeah it, it can be absolutely the worst thing in the world the, the facelessness of it um does give people you know twitter balls and uh and i think that can be a negative thing so i think, I think we found our podcast name yeah twitter balls <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there it is <laughs> well, so, yeah, so this is just a humble request. If, if any, I know that anyone that listens to a podcast of mine is generally a follower. There are very few that aren't. So um, I'm humbly asking that if I'm, you know, even positive, you know, I don't need to, I don't need to say, I don't need you to include that guy's at in a, in a reply about it. So there's just a little Twitter courtesy note. Um, so all this, uh, all this, this free agent stuff going on. And the Sixers, I feel like you remember when the Bynum trade happened and it sort of came out of nowhere. Um, All of a sudden it was this explosion of news came out of nowhere. And then when they traded Drew on Thursday, it sort of came out of nowhere. I feel like every move in the Hinky era is going to come out of nowhere. And I can't tell. Like, it's exciting when it happens, but it's torture in between. Yeah. It's sort of like because it's happened twice now, you sort of expect it. Now, like, okay, it's coming out of nowhere, and you're just, like, waiting. You're, like, looking around, like, it's, okay, I'm going to make a reference that you're going to love. Uh, it's, like, 
it's like the Undertaker or any other any other sort of in the WWE where you're just waiting for the for the, like the special guest referee or for somebody to come running out of the gate and uh, all of a sudden you're just like okay who who is it going to be and then when it doesn't so you're, they they've built it up to where you're expecting it every time and uh, and then when it doesn't happen you're like oh like he's just going to get his ass kicked on the on the on, on the ring it's, that sucks. So that's, I'm, that's a, I'm sort of just like waiting for like, okay, whose music is going to be like, where, where is it coming from? Uh-oh. Are they coming from the stands? Like that, all that good stuff. Oh no, that's Josh Smith's music. Like <laughs> that's the nightmare. The longer this goes on without them being in any rumors, I'm just going to continually assume the worst. And that's, yeah. You know, and because and the, the speaking of Twitter, the Josh Smith nightmare also includes everybody who either A, likes Josh Smith, or B, doesn't like Sam Hankey, all hitting me all at once to tell me what an idiot I am. Like, it's it's either A, you're, the guy that you like thinks Josh Smith is good, or, or B, the guy that you like is an idiot. So it's one of those two. So it's I'm, a perfect song. Yeah. Um, and, and what's funny about not hearing the Sixers, and legitimately, I've heard the Sixers mentioned in, in no rumor Aside from the Omar Sheik one, which is which is not even really a rumor, it was just a sort of you know NBA executives think that this could be a possibility. So yeah, that was speculation. That was all speculation. Yeah, so so I've heard them in in zero rumors. The interesting thing about it is that I do believe that until Woj is reporting that it's happening, that almost you know eighty percent of the rumors that you hear are sort of nonsense positioning anyway, especially with trades. So the the first immediately if if I hear about the the Sixers or any team rumored in a trade and that trade does not happen within 10 minutes, I assume it's not going to happen. So hearing the Sixers rumored being interested in anyone is probably nonsense anyway. So I, I don't even know what I'm missing out on. I'm just sick of hearing about Dwight Howard and I wish it would, there was a I wish there was just a Sixers rumor thrown in there somewhere. Yeah, it's it's nice to be like invited to the party. Instead of like I mean, I'm gonna. Just, I I only make metaphors. I, I barely speak in English anymore. It's just metaphor. Uh, but instead of like you know getting the invite to the party, the Sixers sort of just like crash. Yes. The party. Yeah. And it's just like just like come on, invite us. Like you know, we'll we'll come to some. We don't have to come to every party, but like it was nice to get invited to them. Like, come on. And, so that's, it, that's the and it almost feels like Hinky in one of the thing you know in, in his in his vast wisdom, and he'll be a genius until this doesn't work. I'll you know we'll continue to build him up. Um, prioritizes his time in that you know while everyone else wanted a coach, he was concentrating on the draft because that was most important. And now while everyone else is spending too much money on, you're never going to get a steal at this point. So while everyone else is spending too much money on free agents, he's probably. You know, working on that, but probably looking at the coach. I would imagine looking at the coach thing at this point, knowing that he's not going to offer Andre Iguodala fifty-six million over four years. So, you know, why should he even be involved at this point? Um, to a, to a certain extent, like this is not the sort of free agent stuff that uh, that I even expected the Sixers to be involved in. So, I'd imagine it's a little bit is prioritizing as well. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I I still think there's a chance that he'll go after free agents, um, but I think it'll be once. The market value is set, and once guys are finding like, oh, there's not a spot for me. There's other teams are passing me up. You know, got wings that are like, okay, Chase Buttinger got signed, uh, Martel Webster got signed. What? Uh, who else has 
room for me, basically. And Sam Hinko would be like, uh, hello, you can sign for $12. Yeah, with his stroking, his, stroking his cat in his giant yeah. chair in front of his millions of, of Excel spreadsheets. Absolutely. That's, that is the fantasy imagery I have in my head. Um, so to that end, uh, of the, the guy that might sit around there or the couple of guys that might sit around there have – because one guy keeps popping up into my head, and I won't tell you him yet, but I was curious if there's anybody that you think might um, have too high a value of himself or might be sitting around there. Are there any guys that, um, you know, off the top of your head, you could you could see them, you could see being around when they're interested and maybe them getting a deal on? Uh, no. I, okay. I, I, I'm In my head, I'm trying to think of the guy that you're thinking of, and I can't. Okay. Uh, my best guess right now is OJ Mayo, and I hope that's not the case. But no, it's um, worse. It's worse. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think. I, I I think that the guys that Hell and I'm getting are sort of cast off, uh, and you know, Anthony Morrow, like guys that have that have tangible skills that haven't like put it into practice in a while or just didn't get the shot. Um, some minimum salary guys, and, and some that that maybe have to spend a little bit more on, like Brandon Wright. Of uh, of Dallas, uh, sort of high efficiency, sort of just backup big man, but you know va- value there. But I have no idea who you're going to say. So go for it. Well, and the the OJ Mayo thing. Look, if if they get OJ Mayo for three years and twelve million dollars, like on some Lou Williams deal, I'd be fine with it. I mean, he's a a good shooter. If somebody could you know find a way to get him shots and have him stop creating offense for himself. I think he could be a decent player, but I think somebody's probably going to give him too much. Like I feel like yeah. he's going to be a four-year, $32 million guy or a four-for-40 guy. I, somebody and, will, right? And there's just, there's just nothing that makes your team instantly more mediocre than signing an average player or a flawed player to too much money. There's just there's nothing that makes your team... I mean, you're screwed. You have to... In order to build a, an NBA champion, unless you have two of the best players on earth, you have to just be perfect. You really have to just you have to sign every player to the right amount. Every player has to be the same like general age range at the right. It's it's hard to do it because there's so much temptation of like, okay, maybe he's a good player, he'll make us better, but then he handicaps you if you if you spend him too much money. And it's the same way with Iguodala. I love Iguodala, but if you sign him to too much money, then that is. That's tough to bounce back from. You got to be, you got to be perfect there. Could could there be? Could there have been? By the way, and I'm glad that the Kings thing was over by the time I woke up because as I was like, I wake up and the first thing I do is make sure I didn't miss anything. It like yeah. it, just for my job or anything, and I'm going backwards. So I had in my mind he he was they offered it, the Kings offered him four years and fifty six million, and all I thought was like, uh oh. That's too much to pass up because I don't think anybody else is going to offer him that much. In in my head, he was four for forty four or four for forty eight. That was in my head, and I was like four for fifty six. So I was like, oh no, he's going to take it, and he's going to end up in Sacramento, and he's going to have the same problem that he had here because he's going to be overpaid in a bad situation. Like the there, the, I can't think of a, a worse. That is the worst situation. Like that him not. Fourteen million a year for Iguodala in Sacramento is a, a total misspend. It's a it's an awful idea, right? Yeah, fourteen is a lot. Uh, four for, for twelve. Um, I like twelve. Four for forty-eight. That'd be beautiful. And Sacramento has pretty great fans, uh, so I think they'd appreciate him. They haven't had a good team in Sacramento in quite some time. Um, 
And putting it down next to Ben McLemore is like an exciting prospect. I, I like that idea. Uh, and I think the new ownership there is really planning on turning things around. It might take them a year, but uh, I think I think that's a fun team. Uh, Iguodala, McLemore, uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, I think I probably believe in Cousins more than you do. Um, well, he's just too crazy. I, I mean, I, I yeah. get that he's skilled, and he might eventually come around, and if he eventually comes around... I. Like that doesn't surprise me, and it, it doesn't. But it just means that, like, I, I I don't think I've ever seen a worse. And this doesn't mean everything, but it does mean something considering his history. I don't think I've ever seen a worse on court disposition than Demarcus Cousins ever in my whole life. I I don't think I've seen one guy more miserable, and you know, and like I would hate to play with him. I think. Yeah, that's. I I, I feel like there aren't many above him. If if if, if there are, he's definitely not. He definitely hasn't been. The uh, the model of responsibility. Um, the the bad thing for Iguodala now is that them publicly pulling it off the table like that hurts his value, and I think it it may sort of um, reveal that there are not a ton of offers out there for him. And hopefully, the the Nuggets clearly want him; they just don't want to overspend for him. And hopefully, they're able to come to a, a fairish sort of offer, and he can go back to Denver, and you know and be happy and productive and in a market that I think is is fine for him. Um, I want him to I want him to go somewhere else. I want him for just for fun. Like Detroit would be awesome if he went to Detroit. I know you don't like it, but if he went to Detroit with Monroe and Drummond and Brandon Knight, I think that's a I think it's a playoff team. Easy. Uh, and an exciting a young, exciting one that Igadala can sort of be like the the sort of the centerpiece of, at least for just the veteran uh, centerpiece of it. I think it's I think it's an exciting prospect for me. Well, now Sacramento might match the Tyreek Evans thing, so maybe it reopens up the uh, New Orleans possibility, which I think is better. I I would love him on New Orleans, and and yeah, that, but then they'd be too good. I uh, I would oh. love it, but then I also <laughs> would love it. Yeah, selfishly, sort of like yeah, exactly. I would I would love it because I I would love it selfishly because I love Drew and Andre, and I would love it selfishly because, or I'd hate it selfishly because I would like them to be out of the playoffs. I don't expect them to be the the you know get the sixth spot, um, but in the in the ten it'd be nice to get like the ten would be fine. But if they sign Andre, then I think that's like fifteen, sixteen. Um. Uh, so here's the, and I know you'll tell me no way, but I just keep looking at it, figuring maybe one. Okay, so <laughs> I know you're gonna hate this and tell me no way. The, the <laughs> guy, so Monte Ellis. Wait, just wait, just wait. Just let me at least say my piece before you crush it. I know it'll never happen, but just he opts out of his deal because clearly he has a much higher, um, much higher uh, view of his deal of what he can get, and his agent has filled his mind of more that he can get than he can actually get. And I feel like he has been in the league long enough to where people are, even the dumbest GMs, sort of understand everything that's wrong with him you know he's a a massively talented player but just doesn't like very inefficient um for everything he does right he does two things wrong like but and i think there are enough smart guys in the nba to where if monte ellis five years ago would have gotten four years and 44 million that now he's going to go out there looking for it no one's going to give it to him and somebody um, is going to have the opportunity, or the, <laughs> the opportunity is a funny word, but the chance to sign him 
to a one-year deal for $5 million so he can go out and prove himself, O.J. Mayo-esque, like the deal he signed with Dallas, to go out there and prove that he's worth more money. And honestly, like, I I just think the inefficient as he is, like, and I'm I'm wowed by watching him. That's that's where this is coming from. That when I watch him when he's on, it's like he's not inefficient like Nick Young inefficient. Nick Young isn't even all that skilled. He's just a good shooter. Like Monte Ellis has like blazing like blazing speed and is very 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 skilled. I think like a pissed off Monte Ellis like as a six man would be awesome to watch for a year. And if it's a one-year flyer, I wouldn't have that much of a problem with it. I, I don't disagree with a lot of things you just said. That's, so I'll give you that. Okay. Put that in your pocket and save it for a rainy day. But, but then again... But yeah. then again, it only takes one team. Free yeah. agency isn't about everyone collectively getting together and saying, this guy isn't worth this, this guy isn't worth this. It's every team scrambling trying to do what they think is best for their franchise with an owner that probably wants them to win right now. And people will, as the days go by, people will start seeing Monte Ellis. Those credentials will start getting awful friendly. And, uh, and someone's going to give them a lot of money. It only takes one team. Yeah. That's yeah, why, yeah. that's why I think Biden's going to make a lot of money. That's why I think, that's why the Knicks exist. This is, I mean, it only takes one team. Yeah. So, and even if, and even if he didn't, it'd be, it would have to be a two-year deal for like twenty million. It's, it's, it's more than one five. He's a better player than he's, he's looked at as a better player than OJ Mayo has ever been. Um, so, it, while it'd be fun to watch him play, because if he just was a smarter basketball player, he could become James Harden, basically. Yeah, uh, he's not a better. He's not a good enough shooter. But he could, if he just shot from the outside less and just took the ball to the basket relentlessly. Then, I mean, that's a that's a basketball player. Like he he gets to the line a lot. He gets fouled. He he's efficient around the basket and and there. But then he just shoots. I mean, he shot like what twenty seven percent from three last year. And he yeah. shot like four threes a game. I think I'm making those numbers up. But no, but it's it's something like that. And he just shot more and more threes as the year went on. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean. He is, there are a lot of guys in the NBA that are unguardable. And, you know, there's a very good portion. There's a lot of guys that one-on-one are difficult to keep from getting to the rim. But he is, he is up there. I mean, he is, if you put one guy on him and tell that guy to stop him, it's just, he's so fast, you know. And And, and strong, really Yeah, yeah. He's, when when he is going off, it is something, he is one of the guys that really is something to watch when it's, when it's going for him. It's something. I mean. And I, I, I feel like I always make this comparison just because I was so enthralled with it when I was younger. But Baron Davis, in his prime, was absolutely phenomenal yeah. and could not be stopped. He could get to the basket whenever he won. Baron Davis was also a better shooter, but he took just off-balance shots because he felt like it because he was sort of just like a lazy player that way. Uh, and then he got hurt a lot, and that impacted things. But but Montiel definitely has the skill set to be like Baron Davis could have been. It was just like... Don't shoot from the outside yeah. so much. Don't pull up. Just go to the basket. Go to the basket and then pass. Go to the basket, pass. And it's tough because guys are giving you the outside shot, and you're like, oh well, I can't just, I can't let them win. I yeah. can't let them win if I, if I pass it now. If I drive now, then they're right about me, and I have to keep shooting. But at, t- at a certain point in your career, you're like, 
maybe examine yourself a little bit and just be like, I'm just going to go to the basket relentlessly. Well, and it did sort of, you know, in the tail end of the season when it was, it was after they traded for Redick, it, there were games um, because I liked watching Milwaukee until they went on that slide at the very end. But I like watching Milwaukee because I like watching Ellis and I, I, I like I developed a thing for Redick this year. Um, but there were games where he was sort of the point guard and he was being distributor guy. And like, honestly, if you told me I could have Brandon Jennings or Monta Ellis, like I would really much rather have like, and it's because I, you know, he's, he's probably never going to figure it out, but I, I look at them both and I just think if Monta Ellis figures it out, he is way better than Brandon Jennings. And I saw 100%. him. Yeah. Um, so, uh, speaking of Reddick, um, Clippers finally, well, I mean, none of this is final, um, but it'll, you know, it'll be final. Clippers have that three-way deal um, to sign and trade to get Jared Dudley and J.J. Redick and give up um, Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe is a guy who, um, it's funny, went from underrated to, I think, way overrated. Um, not, not, in a, not meaning that he's not good, but, like, you know, that he's, like, the next big thing. Um, what do you think of the deal? It's an interesting deal. I think I think it works out for everybody, um, except for the Bucks, even a little bit. If, if yeah, let's start. I guess we can start with the the up top. Uh, I love what it does for the Clippers. Um, you just got two guys that don't need the ball, that can play pretty okay defense, that can just like really seamlessly fit into exactly what you need in the offense, which is shooters that do like a little bit more than shoot. And they do it efficiently. Uh, yeah, J.J. Redick had an incredible year last year. It went under the radar because he played for Orlando. But he he was really, really good last year. Really good. Yeah. And uh, and he turned himself into a guy that can like take the ball to the basket a little bit, pass a little bit. I mean, you people that haven't, that haven't seen him in a while, which is understandable because he's played for bad teams, uh, he's not just some scrub who's living off his Duke yeah. You know, reputation. Like he's a he's a good player and is a basketball player, not just a shooter. Um his assist rate was higher than Evan Turner's last year. I mean he like this is a guy who just you know, people just think of as um as ju- like as just a shooter. Like he he yeah. he ran that offense for a good you know, he was very six manny with how he ran the, the offense for Orlando last year. Not not all the time, but he was capable of doing it. And he he is most certainly not Jason Capono, like that is not no. who he is. Yeah. Uh, Even though they're both white, they, well, they are both white. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he, I mean, he, he can. He's just a fish and basketball player. knows his, knows his limits and knows who he's good at, and, and works at. And Jared Dudley is a guy that I think has been <laughs> unfortunately overpaid in Phoenix for so long. Um, they just like had him forever, and it's just like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing with him? Like, wh- where is he going? Phoenix has been my template for how to not run an organization for the past five years. Um, also, the Sixers, um, but I think he's coming into a spot in in the, in L.A. where they can pay him uh, without crippling their future, and uh, and just put him in. He, he fits so neatly. He's he's like a folded shirt. You're just like ah, there it is, like right there. You you sit right there, Jared Dudley, and you know, I'll wear you when I need you. I think as as a really crisp, nice full job, Jared Dudley. Uh, so I'm so I'm excited about the prospects because I I like the idea of of the Clippers being a contender, and I think that this makes them a contender. 
I think too, um, it it probably makes your boy in in Phoenix uh, even more expendable. Um, what's his name? Kendall Marshall. It's like you know, they don't they don't need him anymore, right? You could get him now. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> I took a lot of flack for Kendall Marshall. Uh, not a guy that I love, definitely. But I'm since the Sixers got Hinky, I've put on my Sam Hinky hat in that I tried to emulate his thought process. I try to I try to think like he thinks. And obviously, I don't know how he thinks. I'm not his friend. We haven't grown up together. I don't know anything aside from what everybody knows and what I think he thinks. Um, but you look at it, and it's like, okay, I think he's an undervalued asset right now in a bad situation in Phoenix, having coming off a terrible year, just an awful, awful. He played horrendous basketball last year. But at the same time, he's 19, 20 years old. He had one. He had one, his rookie season. One season, like that's not the biggest deal in the world. I mean, you can bounce back from that. It's the same thing. It's the same reason I believe in Thomas Robinson. Uh, you got to give them one year if they're if they're in a terrible situation. These are kids. You you don't know what they are. I mean, I, I rush the judgment on everything across the board, but there's 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 room for growth here. You can't just say, okay, he played bad one year in this awful situation. He got well Thomas Robinson got traded twice. Uh there's no hope for him. I don't agree with that. And Kendall Marshall, I don't think he's ever going to become a, I don't think he's ever going to flourish as a starting point guard in this league. But if you're looking for a backup point guard for MCW, uh pass first guy that has height and like Kind of Marshall seems like the perfect fit. It seems like you give him 15 minutes a game. He works on his jump shot. Maybe, maybe becomes a better a corner three threat. Uh, and he just, I mean, he's one of the best passers in the league right now. He's a terrific passer. And it'd be nice to just like, I think, I think Hinky is definitely thinking, if Phoenix doesn't want him, I'll, I'll give a second round pick for Kendall Marshall. He's a lottery pick last year. I'll give a second round pick for him. We have 17 second round picks next year. Might, so, as, might as well get another point guard that can't shoot, too, while we're at it. Yeah, might as well. Might as well. Um, and then um, the other, I guess, uh, you know, I, I don't even I, – I feel guilty being interested in the Dwight Howard thing, but I am interested, and I can't – like, I still think he goes back to L.A. I, I mean, I just – I can't – he loves attention, and he is going to get so much less attention in Houston than he would in L.A., and I, my theory is that he just wants them to fire um, uh, D'Antoni. Like that's that's all I can think that this is. And I think that they're eventually going to break. And I'm actually surprised that the Lakers look so desperate. Um, like that they're you know that they're putting banners on the uh, on the arena, and it, it doesn't feel very Lakersy to me. Um, but like to me, Golden State is not even a, a, an option for him. Atlanta's obviously not not even an option. Dallas isn't even close to winning, so I don't think Dallas is an option. I, I and I saw Bovada had Houston as the favorite yesterday. I I would have the Lakers far away as the favorite. I I I can't imagine Dwight Howard picking Houston. I can uh, under, I can understand why he would pick it. Like if it were me, I would go to Houston um, because I don't think he can win with the Lakers right now. Um, and you know, I, I don't, it's funny. He wants attention, but I, I think that's the last thing he needs is attention. I think he's probably better with less attention. Um, I think Houston's a better fit, but I, I just, I, I can't, I just can't believe he'd go there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I said, we, we talked a couple of days ago and I, I said he'd come to LA to stay in LA. Um, 
And I think that's still the case, but I would, I don't, and if I were him, I would, no, I wouldn't. I, I'd sign with Houston because I, I love Daryl Morey. Um, but I think, I think the options are stay in LA and succeed Kobe Bryant as the face of Los Angeles Lakers basketball or go to Dallas to try to win one this year with Dirk and whoever else Mark Cuban can pay to play there or go to Houston and sort of just have, just buy into the system basically. Cause even if they don't, if Dallas doesn't win this year, he's going to keep plugging away. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a one and done. Right. He set himself up for the future and, and will move around and isn't afraid to move things around to get to where the team has to be. Um, I think, but I think he'll stay in LA. I think he's just, uh, he wants the spotlight and that's, that's real thing. Um, and that team's going to be terrible next year. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know that I agree with that. I think this, this year is a, a combination of a lot of things. Well, Kobe's uh, not even going to be there until January, right? I mean, at the very earliest. Are they saying January? Yeah. Well, I mean, Christmas will be, Christmas is only, let's see. I mean, it's probably, it's at very minimum, with a healthy younger guy, it's a six-month injury, um, which puts him in November. So that's for a the, the beginning of November. So that's a very, that's a young, you know, healthy, um, uh, you know, and that's get, to get back going again. I mean, yeah. I, I can't imagine it's it's any earlier, you know. But some people were saying a year, which would have him missing, the obviously, the entire season. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I, like you know, Steve Nash is forty. I, I just I, I don't know. I don't know where their good players are aside from you know the Kobe who won't play and Powell who is sort of a weird fit with Dwight. It's tough. I mean, it's it's Kobe though. Like there, I I I, ha- I always hesitate to believe in sort of like lore and legend. But if anyone's going to come back in like ten minutes from an injury like that, like I could just see Kobe just being like, "I'm back. I'm playing." Yeah. Let's go. So I I wouldn't I would not be surprised to see Kobe Bryant on opening night. Um, I think that's everybody. I mean that, that's all the signings so far. I'm I'm curious to see. I I know um I know you like Detroit. I think Josh Smith is a a bad fit there because it like I think he's got to play power forward and there he ends up being the three and it, like I think it's a little weird. Um, but I you know I now I do think you know there were some rumors that if Houston got um, if Houston got Dwight Howard, they would work on a sign and trade for Josh Smith. Uh-huh. Now that I think that's a pretty cool, um, that's a pretty cool, you know, combination there. I think if he ends up in Houston, but I think Detroit's a weird fit. Yeah, it's a that would just be a huge team. It would just be a really big team, and uh, and I don't know that I trust Dumars is still in charge over there, right? I think yeah. I don't think yep. I don't know that I trust Dumars to be patient enough to to let a Smith, Monroe, Drummond three, four, five happen. Um, but that's, I mean, that's very few. They wouldn't score on the inside. I mean, Smith is an incredible defender, and Drummond is a, is a really great shot blocking presence, and uh, and just a complete beast on the boards. Um, but at the same time, nobody on that lineup shoots. Brandon Knight isn't a great shooter. They would need to have just the best two guard ever. Or if Brandon Rice is your two guard, then I I I think they just have to just 
everyone would just play within a 10-foot radius of the basket, and they're just crowding each other. Everyone's sort of fighting for position. It'd be like standing in line in the amusement park. That, that's their offense. It's just like, everybody pack the middle. Okay, here we go. Well, the so, good thing is that everyone would be tall enough to ride the ride. So yeah, That's true. We did, we did jump on that metaphor. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Well, if you're going to serve up metaphors, I'm, I'm going to try to knock them down for you. So. Yeah, thank you. I will, I will serve them up all day. Uh, you don't want to talk about Chase Bidinger? Kevin uh, Martin? Well, I mean, but they're not. I mean, they're. I mean, they're good fits for wherever they go. I think Kevin. Where was the the Kevin Martin? Oh, that was a Minnesota rumor, right? Minnesota, both of them, Minnesota. Yeah, I I think they both fit there. I mean, we. I mean, geez, when you have a guy, I think that the one thing that sort of bothers me about Kevin Love, or the one thing that I think is is sort of an interesting part of his game, is he's a good three point shooter, but he's such a good. Like I, I wouldn't want him out there. I, I I mean I feel like you're you're pulling him away from his. He's a good three point shooter, but he's an elite rebounder. And I yeah. think every time you have him parked out there, it's it's taking away from the thing that he does best. And to me, if you get to have a shooter in there while he's down there, have as many shooters you can with Ricky Rubio doing what he does, um, and just you know pick and rolling everyone to death. Um, and setting up guys like I feel like that's where and then and then Kevin Love's there to rebound you know forty percent of the misses that happen. I don't know. I feel like both those guys fit real well there. I don't. I don't know if I give Kevin Martin four years. I mean that seems like an awful long time for a guy who is um, who is on the the downside of his career. Um, and Buttinger is I think is a nice you know I we I mentioned him to you um, the last time we did a pod that I thought he'd fit well here and obviously he's going to get um, he's going to get. You know, somebody's going to sign him. If it's not Minnesota, somebody will sign him, and I don't think he'll wind up a, a sixer. I, I think he'll probably be a little overpaid. Um, overpaid, yeah. But uh, you know, I like both of those. If if Minnesota's able to get both of those, I like both of those signings. Yeah, I like Minnesota. I, I think I don't know if I buy. I think a lineup of Rubio, Martin, Buttinger, Love, and then they're talking about Pegovic, and I I I just don't think that. I think that limits you. I think if you're Minnesota, then it'd be really cool if a, a, a healthy Bynum, which is hilarious, would, would be perfect there. Uh, Dwight Howard would be perfect there. Uh, some like really offensive, offensive, basically one of the best centers in the league would be nice there because that team is built around Rubio driving and kicking to his shooters, and then you, you need somebody underneath to just sort of catch alley-oops and be big. Uh, they had a, a pretty decent draft. Uh, they have Shabazz, who will be nice coming off the bench, at least for the first little bit, and we'll see what happens. And, and Gorgi Deng, who's a nice rotational big man. Um, but I, I don't think that team gets past, like, the like a seven seed and out in the first round. I think that's, a, that's sort of like, a, hey, you're really exciting, but see you later. Now the big guys are playing, so go away. Yeah. Partially because I don't I don't believe in Kevin Love as much as other people do. Maybe because he's always hurt. Could be it. Yeah, I, I think Pekovic is a nice player, but I think he's primed to get overpaid by somebody. Um, and I think um, I don't think Minnesota's going to match. Like I think he's going to get eleven or twelve million dollars a year from somebody. And I agree with you. I don't think you can. I, I do think he's a nice player, but I do think you know. Um, at least offensively, some of his skill is uh, there's sort of some repetitive. You know, like if you have Kevin Love getting every rebound, I don't know that you need um, Pekovic. I don't need to know that you need to pay twelve million dollars to have Pekovic get the 
the two that uh, that Love doesn't get. So he's and I do I think he's a real nice player and I you know but he's older than people think too. I think he's like twenty eight or twenty nine years old. Um, so so who knows? But I think somebody will pay him too much money. He's terrifying. Yeah, he is just he's he's the scariest player in the league. Well, he, they asked him. They asked him who. Uh, I remember a video on the Minnesota website. Like, what's his favorite food to eat around the holidays? And his answer was meat, <laughs> which is great, and I love it, and I agree with him. His meat rocks, but it's just he's a he's a frightening, frightening man. I don't know that one of my basketball teams is going to be afraid to ask him any questions. Yeah, like I, you know, he probably eats meat as dessert after he eats bricks. And and nails, I would imagine. Yeah, he's and the fact that he's Russian makes it. I mean, you know, it makes it scarier. It clearly makes it scarier. There's, you know, I I don't. I hope I'm not saying anything wrong in that. But you know, him with that accent, it's it's very Drago-ish. So it's very Von Drago-esque. So absolutely. Um. So anybody else? Uh, Tiago Splitter resigned with the Spurs. Yeah, I thought that was a people. He he provides. First of all, I'm not going to question any San Antonio Spurs uh, re-signing their guys because they know their guys better um, than anybody did. But you're talking about a guy who provided a pretty crucial role for the Spurs in that one of the reasons that Duncan's able to stay so productive is that he can take games off. He can play 27 minutes a game, um, and the reason that they're able, I know I know Splitter didn't play well in the finals, but. Um, they were in the finals in part because um, Duncan was able to take those breaks because Splitter was effective. And, and you know, he um, I, I know you can look at his averages and think that, you know, he's, he's 10 and 6 or whatever, but um, that the second half of the year and, uh, and actually all through the year, I thought Tiago Splitter was a, a nice player for them. And if, if, uh, if Thaddeus Young can make $8.6 million a year, I think Tiago Splitter can make 9. Yeah, your, your point wasn't a bad one. Um... But I initially didn't like it because I thought it was five years, yeah, it's uh, four. forty-five million, and that felt like a lot to me. Um, the problem I have with San Antonio now is, I mean, their quote-unquote window has been closing for a decade, um, or that's more like the narrative says the window's closing. But uh, they don't right now. I mean, Duncan and Parker are going to be gone soon. And they currently don't have the centerpiece. I love Clyde Leonard. Absolutely love him. But he's not a guy that you're going to build your team around. And same goes for Tiger Splitter. I think he's a nice player. But he's already 28. He'll turn 29 in the middle of next season. And uh, and that's not a spring chicken anymore. I mean, people think he's younger because he came over here not too long ago. But he'd been rumored to come over for years and years. Uh so I just don't know what uh, what their plan is. I think they're they're currently for the future set up like a nice a nice set of surrounding guys, but there's no one in the middle of it. They're sort of like they're sort of like trying to set up their periphery before they have what's like right in the middle, which I guess is understandable because you're still trying to win championships now, but. That's why that's why I wouldn't have given Tiago that much money because he's he, giving him that much money is sort of limiting what you can do later. It makes you less flexible once this era ends. But if they're just like 
we know we're going to struggle. Yeah, or if they, the guys are gone. if they but know Duncan will play two, if they know Duncan will play two more years, I feel like Splitter's deal. If they feel like getting rid of it with two years left, will be possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Kawhi Leonard is a a real nice player, but I I definitely think became part of the uh the overrated society in that like he is. He's a real nice player, but is definitely you want to talk about guys that are a product of where they're playing. Like right now, they don't ask him to do anything but rebound, defend, and, and corner threes. And I know that that's a, a you know that's a thing in the NBA now, and guys like that are valuable. But I think it I think the legend of Kawhi Leonard um, sort of started to exceed what he's actually capable of, at least right now. Yeah, he's also. I mean, he's not. He's super athletic too, and that's yeah. that's why I believe in it more more so than guys like, I mean, to a different degree, Gary Neal and Danny Green, where they just feel like perfect system players. Kawhi is a guy that they haven't had before. He he brings a level of athleticism and speed and wingspan that that's just very it feels very unspurs. Um, but he's I mean he's a, he's an excellent player and he can take the ball to the basket. I think he I think he. Can be a Godala, um, maybe not quite as good defensively on the open court, but better shooting, maybe a little more efficient in that regard. Um, I think that's his upside. But the same problems you have with the Godala apply or apply. You don't want you don't want to pay him like he's your best player because then you're struggling to make up for it basically with his deficiencies. Do you know what your wingspan is? Mine? Yeah. Yeah, it's 5'11". Oh, really? 5'11", five, 5'11". Five, five, oh, I, wanna, I, I definitely want to check. I'm going to measure my wingspan after this. I was all thinking right. about that last night. I was like, I hear all this stuff about wingspan. I don't have any idea what my wingspan is. So. Uh, it's, it's the worst. It's, I, I was like, okay, give me like 6'3". Give me anything. Yeah. It's just a little bit. Like, give me, I'm stretching as hard as I can. And I forget who was measuring me a uh, year or two ago. And I'm like, yeah, it's 5'11". You gotta let uh, those fingernails grow, bro. I'm trying, I'm trying to stretch it out as far as possible. I'm pulling my arms out. All I want is to be a lot of wingspan. It's like, <laughs> I think the human, humans are just meant to be the same size, you know, wide as they are tall. And that's why only like fantastic athletes are. Well, you know why that is, like, right? In case you need to stick your arms out and roll down a hill as if you're a wheel. Um, if your if your wingspan is the same as your height, that'll be easier to do that. Why would I ever need to do that? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. All right, um, I'm, I'm gonna try it now. All right, our time's up. We're past our time. Time's yours. All right. Um. So, well, if anyone has a, a name for the the podcast, we'll love it. Um. And remember, Mike got up early for this. So yeah, can you guys just please any sort of appreciation on Twitter? Any emails, I'd appreciate it. It really is hard for me. It's hard. Please tag Mike's Twitter in your responses about his sleep time. He's asking you for it. Yeah, I'm not an NBA player. You can say whatever you want to me. All right. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. See you, Spike. See you. 